0: Hello, this is Dr. Dan Guerra coming to you again from Authentic Biochemistry in the American Pacific Northwest. This is uh, the sixth segment of T-Regulatory Cells, and I'm publishing it actually on the same day, just in the afternoon of the 17th of August, uh, 2019. I want to do that because I really want to finish this whole series so that I can then generate a video lecture on VeribMed Um uh, my parallel company so that what I can do then is show you graphics of what we've been discussing for the last uh, couple of hours in authentic biochemistry. And plus just to switch from audio to video, I think it's a good idea. So let's just get started with this last segment. Hopefully we'll get it done. Now, we were talking about this whole TREG system, and I was talking to you about nfil 3 transcription factor that seems to regulate FOXP3 and therefore regulatory T-cells. So what is the consequential of the physiology of what we've been describing? For example, if you transfer a naive CD4T cell with a controlled Treg cell, successful, what you'll get is a successful suppressed inflammation. The INFIL-3 transcription factor, overexpressing Treg cells, will lose a suppressive activity against those naive CD4T cells. And indeed, INFIL-3 has a negative effect on the immune suppression ability of T-regulatory cells, both in vitro and in vivo. So it's a very key point there. Now here's an analytic of that. T-regs inhibit hyperimmune responses, but when activated, for example, in chronic infectious diseases, such as inflammatory bowel disease... And in cancer, they can become harbingers of pathophysiological states, right? So the transcription factor of FOXP3 regulates the differentiation function of the Treg cells, as we've been saying. Enfil-3 is a negative regulator of FOXP3 in multiple molecular contexts and in multiple cell lineages, as we also discussed. For example, within the family of CD4 plus T lymphocytes, Nfil three expression is lowest in Treg cells. Former Treg cells express increased Nfil three transcription. So you can get former Tregs, which, as I told you, can then differentiate into Ths. So from these associations and apparent correlations, it's asserted then that we can insert that Nfil three might destabilize Treg cells. So the overexpression of Enfil-3 and the T regs did reduce FOXP3 expression. The mechanism involved direct binding of Enfil-3 to the CNS regions. Those are enhancer regions for the FOXP3 promoter of that gene, thus blocking transcription, blocking RNA polymerase, and therefore transcription of the FOXP3 gene. Now, if that isn't enough negative control, I also told you that Enfil-3 bound directly to FOXP3 protein blocking its transcription factor activity directly within the nucleus. Of course, nfil 3 bound to FOXB3 will inhibit FOXB3 target genes like interleukin-2-RA, which of course plays a major role in Treg cell function. All of that reduces Treg-mediated immunosuppressive ability. Previously in mice, it had been demonstrated that nfil 3 attenuated the immunosuppressive activity of Treg cells and therefore correlated with uh, a disease, uh, the disease state severe colitis, as we mentioned in animal models and also in humans. A recent studies show that the methylation, this is the epigenetic story, of Foxp3 CNS locus two, that enhancer locus two, is correlated with Treg uh, uh, instability. Okay, so that methylation is not good. So this is an epigenetic phenomenon, overexpression of the Nfil3. Increase the methylation at six of the CPG sites in that CNS2 region of the enhancer region of FOXP3. One possible molecular mechanism that we've been talking about underlying that phenomena would be that ENFIL3 recruited, and indeed it did, the G9A methyltransferase and therefore induced a repressed chromatin state at that locus because of that methylation patterning. Again, an epigenetic phenomenon. Loss of Treg stability is also observed under physiological conditions with the same strategies. So many studies suggest that Treg instability during certain inflammatory conditions can lead to their conversion to effector T cell phenotypes, and we've been talking about that too. So story's not over. infill 3 expression is significantly increased when Treg cells are cultured under Th1 polarizing conditions. And of course, that indicates Treg cells enhance INFIL-3 expression intrinsically in inflammatory conditions and decrease stability to promote inflammation. That's what you want when you want an inflammatory response. Now, in addition, in INFIL-3, overexpressing Treg cells are prone to lose entirely FOXP3 expression and highly increase the interferon gamma and INFIL-3 overexpressing Treg cells that are left behind. So they lose your suppressive function, full stop, and they also convert into what are called Fox 3th one cells. So therefore, they increase the overall population of what? Yeah, effector T cells there for inflammation. So it's also evident from the paper that we just talked about that INFIL-3 expression is regulated by the TGF-beta signaling pathway. So along with interleukin-2, TGF-beta is the essential cytokine for Treg cell differentiation. Therefore, the authors had hypothesized that TGF-beta could be a negative regulator of Nfil3. It had been demonstrated Nfil3 mediated natural killer cell development was inhibited by a SMAD3, which is a phosphorylation kinase cascade protein involved in transcription regulation, and it's also basically a signaling molecule downstream of TGF-beta. So there's evidence here in this paper that demonstrate that TGF-beta, along with TCR T cell receptor stimulation significantly reduced INFIL-3 expression, while treatment with a SMAD-3 inhibitor therefore restored INFIL-3 expression and tank FOXP3 and tank Treg. The reason that TH17 cells express increased levels of INFIL-3, even after treatment with TGF-beta, is because of another uh, co-migrating pathway uh, induced by interleukin-6. That's another signaling pathway. So TH17 cells require L6 cytokine. For differentiation, and a previous study discovered that the interleukin six stab three enhances Infil three promoter activation, and the expression of Smad seven, which all negatively regulates Smad two three, so all that's increased in Infil three overexpressing Tregs, all of which suggested that Infil three upregulated Smad seven expression to maintain its own expression. So it's a typical. Feed, feedback or feed-forward regulation, depending on which valence you're looking at. Furthermore, as the TGF beta signaling pathway is essential for Treg cells, infill overexpression can hinder the differentiation and maintenance. Therefore, the signaling mechanism can explain how Treg cells maintain low infill expression levels. And that's what they discovered on those Western blots. I told you about. Since infill 3 is regulated by circadian rhythms, Possible the frequency of Treg cells actually also can differ according to the time of day, a temporal response. And indeed, a recent study had shown just that, uh, Infill 3 linking TH17 differentiation versus Tregs. And I won't go into detail with that. But it's associated with the clock utilization of inhibition of that ROAR gamma T that we talked about. Transcription factor, really important for Tregs. All right. So summarize all that paper. INFIL3 inhibited Treg cell differentiation and and function by blocking the FOXP3 expression. And the study we talked about revealed the molecular mechanisms underlying Treg cell differentiation, and it provided info that could aid in the development of pharmacotherapeutic and immunotherapeutic um, uh, recommendations for both inflammatory diseases and, in some cases, cancers. And that's what I was getting at before. Now, I want to tell you about a paper in International Immunopharmacology that was published back in 2014, and i just going to tell you how TGF-beta uh, binding to the to its receptor in um, in Treg cells can induce uh, either fully blown Treg immune tolerance or Th17 uh, inflammation, depending on. When that TGF beta signals to SMAD23, SMAD23 can induce ROR gamma T, and then the presence of interleukin 4 can in- in generate uh, TH17 cells causing inflammation at the same time. And this is induced actually by a parasitic induction. Okay, that's where this paper comes from. T reg cells are also produced. So you get immune tolerance and you get inflammation. Now, as time goes on, after you've got this echinococcus multilocularis infection, multilocularis infection, which is a parasite. Over time, like that's what I described to you has happened within a month of induction of TGF-beta. What happens over time is that that roar gamma T all goes away because interleukin-6 goes away because it went up before. Interleukin-6 tanking means raw gamma T doesn't do much for TH17 expression. You get a very, very low inflammatory response, Treg full-blown, and that means you're done with the inflammatory response. That's like a, a complete temporal vectorial sequence of how Tregs can allow for TH17 to be generated, TH17 to cause inflammation. Tregs constantly kind of working against that, the early phases of infection. Of this parasite, but then after, like, say, 180 days, 270 days, all of this inside the human has this parasite, the Treg cells take over, the inflammatory response is gone, and IL 17 and indeed Th17 is basically uh, inert. Okay, so that's how these things work. So, I want you to also understand that overall helper T cell differentiation is what we're talking about here. So, upon stimulation of CD4 helper T cell lineages, okay, via an antigen-presenting cell, there's going to be a distinct developmental pathway that's going to be followed. And you're going to retain a, like a specialized property, and each of those is going to give you a different effect or function. So the cells of the Th1 lineage, which evolved probably to enhance eradication of intracellular pathogens like bacteria and viruses and probably protozoa parasites, they're all characterized by the production of interferon gamma, which is a potent activator of cell-mediated immunity. Now, cells of the Th2 lineage, which evolved to enhance elimination of parasitic infections like helminths, are characterized by the production of interleukin-4, 5, and 13, something I've been talking about throughout this series. Now, those are potent activators of the B-cell immunoglobulin, for example, IgE production. And also eosinophil recruitment, now you're thinking about allergic responses, and mucosal expulsion mechanisms, such as mucose production of hypermotility, okay, mucose production itself, more mucose, and also that inducing a hypermotility. So immune pathogenesis that results from dysregulated TH1 responses to self or commensal antigens, like say floral antigens in the allergic response, can promote tissue destruction and chronic inflammation, whereas dysregulated Th2 responses cause allergy outright and asthma. Right. So Th17 cells secrete a distinctive set of immunoregulatory cytokines, and we talked about these, 17A, 17F, interleukin-22, interleukin-21. All those cytokines collectively play roles in inflammation and autoimmunity as well, and in, and in elimination of extracellular bacterial and indeed fungal pathogens, such as oral fungal pathogens. Immature TH17 cells are differentiated by TGF-beta, IL-6, and IL-23, and it's all necessary for the pathogenic maturation of those TH17 cells. So TGF-beta also induces differentiation of naive T cells into those FOXP3+, Tregs, right? And that can happen in the periphery. Okay. So transcription factors evolved as helper T cell differentiation also evolved. And that's the whole point. So different Th uh, families for either intracellular pathogens, helminths, uh, extracellular bacteria, fungi, or indeed the Tregs giving you tolerance, all that comes in the CD4 lineage. All that's based on different interleukins different intracellular phosphorylation cascades, like JAK-STAT, for example, and the ROR-gamma-T transcription factor or the FOXP3 transcription factor, all of stuff I've covered. All right. So what else can I say? A little bit more about um, fil 3 Remember, that's nuclear factor in leukin-3. It's a transcription factor. It's what it's called. It's got other names we don't need to worry about. It recognizes a very specific nucleotide sequence. It's a GATA sequence, a glorified GATA sequence. And so that sequence is actually present on many cellular and viral promoters. How about that? So it's probably part of how to of the And what it does is represses transcription from promoters with activating transcription factor ATF sites. That's what those things are called. It activates transcription from interleukin-3 promoters in T cells. That's what it does in T cells. And so it's also a component, it's ENFIL3, of a circadian clock, as we've been talking about. And that might also regulate the expression called PER-2 oscillation, which is how circadian clock works. Not only that, INFILL 3 also probably protects uh, proto-B cells from uh, apoptosis. So it does a lot of things, right? All right. Now, I want to go back to talk a little bit about innate lymphoid cells because this will end this discussion. I think we still have time. So remember, innate lymphoid cells originate from a common innate lymphoid cell okay? And that's a progenitor. However, the transcriptional program that sets the identity of that innate lymphoid cell lineage remains still sort of elusive, okay? It's still being worked out. So what I'm looking at now is a paper in Cell Reports published in 2015, which kind of like was looking at that. And we talked about it again at the beginning. We talked about this ID2, right? Which is is another transcription regulator, So, ID2 is a transcriptional regulator that lacks a basic DNA binding domain, but which nevertheless negatively regulates basic helix loop helix domains. Those are transcription factors by forming heterodimers and inhibiting their DNA binding and therefore transcriptional activity. In other words, it tanks transcriptional activity. This ID2 is implicated in regulating a variety of cellular processes, including cellular growth and senescence and differentiation, programmed cell death in the form of apoptosis, angiogenesis, neoplastic transformation. I'll stop there. This ID also regulates the circadian clock. So, see how it comes back into play because it forms heterodimers with this armed. Uh, uh, L and B-M-A-L-1 with the clock gene, okay, if you want to know. And it restricts the clock gene and that interaction localization, and it keeps in the cytoplasm. Now, it plays a role in both the input and output pathways of circadian clock, and then the input component is about modulating probably the magnitude of the photic entrainment, and then the output component, it actually regulates the overall um, circadian clock. So if that isn't enough, I just want to tell you that you've got cell intrinsic infill ablation. And when you get cell intrinsic infill 3 ablation, that results in impaired um, innate lymphoid cell development. So infill 3 deficiency leads to a loss of common helper-like ILC progenitors, okay? Those common helper-like ILC progenitors called chips, sorry. Infil 3 is controlled by the mesenchym derived interleukin 7 in all the lymphoid precursors, and so Infil 3 actually exerts a function on those cell intrinsic um, common helper in, um, innate uh, innate lymphoid cells, and that's how it works. Now, there's one more transcription factor I want you to get an idea about here. This is PLZF, right? PLZF is promyelocytic leukemia zinc finger. It's a member of a big family, transcription factors, and it's specific to something called the CD1d restricted NKT. It's natural killer T cells. So, if you have a PLZF deficient NKT cell, they fail to undergo what's called intrathymic expansion and effector differentiation that would characterize otherwise that really important in lineage. So that's all a big story then about how you got innate cell lineages and you've got natural killer T cell lineages kind of working tandemly with these transcription factors, right? And I haven't even really got involved in most of the cytokines, but interleukin-7 plays a major, major, major role, okay? So let's go on from here. Now, I want to make sure you understand the difference between natural killer cells and natural killer T cells, Okay. Natural killer cells and natural killer T cells are NKTs. NK versus NKt. Two types of important cells in innate immunity. Innate immunity triggers a non-specific immune response against infectious agents, and so always prior to the activation of the acquired immune response. So you have got neutrophils, macrophages, dendritic cells, all those antigen-presenting cells. They're all innate immunity. But both the NK and NKt cells are cytotoxic cells. They induce cell death of pathogenic cells outright, full stop, as well as tumor cells when they're working correctly. Main difference between the NK and NKTs, NKs are large granular lymphocytes, while NKTs are actually a T-cell frank lineage. Okay, so that's really important to keep in mind. Now, I'm getting this from an article that was published online, uh, just in, in basic research research a person's research envelope. It's called Difference with NK cells and NKT cells, written by someone named Pomwala. And it's an article of person and published uh, uh, October 2017 directly online. This is from her research gate. Okay. Powered it because I liked it. Now here's something from the British Journal of Immunology by a, an author named Haygreen. Okay. Haygreen tells you about invariant natural killer cells natural killer T cells. And now we're talking about the INKTs. nkts I know a lot of acronyms, but you got to keep this all in your mind. So dig this. Invariant natural key killer T cells are also known as type 1 NKTs. They're a distinct population of T cells express invariant A-beta T cell receptors. Yes, that's why they call them invariant. Isn't that interesting? and a number of cell surface molecules in common with what are called killer cells we just talked about. Although the INKTs are rare in human blood pool, they comprise only about 0.01 to 0.1% at maximum of peripheral blood mononuclear cells. Um, they are important immuno- immunoregulatory cells nevertheless because they rapidly produce large amounts of cytokines they can influence a lot of other immune cells, and I'll get to that in a moment. So what they do is they recognize antigens, these INKTs, and they express this restricted TCR repertoire because it's invariant. It's not the result of a lot of recombination, right? And so it's exposed to a variable TCR-A chain, which is preferentially coupled to the VB11 TCR beta chain. So this is an variance in terms of how the alpha chain and beta chain are allowed to go through a molecular recombination. So that's unlike conventional T-cells, which mostly recognize peptide antigens presented, as I mentioned many times, by the MHC molecule. So INKTs recognize glycolipid antigens presented by the non-polymorphic MHC class 1-like molecule, CD1D. Yeah, so the lipids now acting as ligands, acting as receptor-mediated alteration of gene expression. So the INKT cells are frequently characterized by the recognition of the prototypical glycolipid called galactosylceramide. ceramide. this ceramide lipid that is working through the MHC class 1, not MHC class 2, um, uh, uh, major uh, histocompatibility complex protein on the surface of these cells, right? So that's really important, right? So that, that's how you get this differential expression. I want you to really get that. So you started off with, say, an INKT cell. If in the presence of IL 4 or 5, it can activate uh, beta cells and you make antibody production into plasma cells. It can also, in the presence of inter- um, interferon gamma and IL 4, induce dendritic cells to be activated and mature j- into antigen presenting cells as cells act as uh, go betweens between the innate and the acquired immune response, uh, filtering into T cell lineages. Uh, Dendritic cells, of course, are also going to turn on, then, the CD4-positive T-cells and CD8-positive T-cells. It's going to cause proliferation, lytic function, and cytokine production from those T-cell lineages. One more thing, the INKTs in the presence of interferon gamma, keeps on showing up, I know, really important, pro-inflammatory cytokine, will turn on natural killer cells, right? Remember, those are not part, these are granulocytes. They're going to be lytic, and they're going to also start producing more interferon gamma. So, Wow, how about all of that? I love it. Now, one more thing to mention. This is, comes from a paper published in the Journal of Biomed, Biotech, two 2010. Uh, okay. Cytotoxic T lymphocytes, this is different, play a crucial role in infections and anti tumor immunity. Induction activation of an antigen specific CTL is important as irregular TCL receptors, by the way, in immunotherapy by various diseases, and several researchers have focused on the modulation of CTLs. Natural killer T-cells are important focus area, too, as we've been saying, when you're studying immunomodulatory responses to tumors and diseases, particularly infectious diseases. So the CD1D-restricted NKTs consist of that type 1, and there's also a type 2. So you've got alpha galactosylceramides activated type 1, and they secrete both Th1, that is interferon gamma, and Th2-type cytokines. And they affect the expression of co-stimulatory molecules and immune cells, and they regulate the host immune system. Type 2 NKTs, however, are stimulated by the sulfatide, which is a, also a, a shringolipid, okay? And that's a self-glycolipid derived from myelin that plays an immunosuppressive role in the animal model of autoimmune diseases. Wow, isn't that cool? So CTL generation, activation, and suppression are strongly affected by activated type 1 and type 2 NKTs. So NKTs program cytotoxic T lymphocytes. That's what I'm trying to get at here. All right. Final, final, final thing here, right? Now, what I want to say is this. T lymphocytes, which is what we've been talking about through all these episodes now, are what I call bioindustrious acquired immune cells. They do not follow general lineages and thus cannot be regulated without specific ratios of effector molecules, okay? So that's the take-home lesson so far, what I want you to really get in terms of the dialectic of this understanding, right? Like, what do we really know? Like this isn't opinion. This isn't just gathering facts. T lymphocytes are what I call bioindustrious. And of course, they're acquired immune systems, acquired immune cell lineages, they don't follow general lineages, and thus they cannot be regulated without specific ratios of effector molecules. That's why T-lymphocytes are so darn interesting. So a detail on that is this. We have Th1, Th2, Th17 cells. We have Tregs. We have cytotoxic T-lymphocytes, and we have natural killer T-cells, as well as innate lymphoid cells. Remember the ILCs, and every one of them distinctively differentiated and activated and stabilized. And they target specific foreign antigens, okay? And thus are regulated by the transcription factors, cytokines, chemokines, growth factors, and as we just mentioned, even, even lipids, okay? So there's the second take home message. You got all these different T lymphocyte lineages. Okay, I just mentioned them all to you. You also got innate lymphoid cells. You've also got regular natural killer cells we talked about, which are granulocytes. All of them are being interacted by different growth factors, cytokines, chemokines, and lipids. So I'm going to stop here, and this is going to be basically the end of this series on the regulation of T lymphocytes. As I said, I'm going to go ahead subsequently, and I'm going to make a Varev med video lecture where you're going to see some of these um graphics, and I'm going to be able to describe in detail an entire diet event ontological perspective on T-cell lineages. Why am I going to do that? Because ultimately, I'd like to see if we can uh, come up with good experiments to infiltrate this population of T-cell metabolism, biochemistry, signaling phenomena, and find out more clever ways to use immunopharmacotherapy to uh, auto-regulate specific T-cell lineages so that we turn some off and some on and we're able to do things like slow down inflammatory diseases, particularly autoimmune diseases, and increase the activity against tumors. And that's what I'm going to end up with now with you by saying that's where we're going to go next with a video lecture, but I want to say bye for now. Dr. Dan Guerra signing off from Authentic Biochemistry.